on? Am I on mute? Do you, got, do you remember when they said that Cheesecake Sunday could not happen? Do you guys remember that? Do you remember when they said it won't happen in this place, not in this town, not in this city, not in this state, not in this country? Do you remember when Canada said Cheesecake Sunday could not happen? Do you guys remember that? But listen, do you remember? Do you, re do you remember when they said, how can a man with diabetes, how can a man with diabetes go ahead and do cheesecake in a church? Do you remember that? They said, let's make it Kale Chip Sunday. Kale Chip Sunday is not here. It is Cheesecake Sunday. Here, take a flag. Take a flag. Stand up. Guard, I need it. Wave the flag with me. All right, I need two volunteers. I need two volunteers up here. Two volunteers. Sarah, come on up. Come on. This is like, oh, oh class, raise your hand. Who else wants? Come on, come on up. You guys, come on up. You guys are my cheesecake servers. Okay, you guys are getting cheesecake from them. Okay. Um, hey, no Romans 12.1. No cheesecake. No Romans 12.1. No cheesecake. Who's got Romans 12.1? Quinn, stand up, stand up. All right, listen, listen, Jesus first in life, okay? Jesus first in life brings about desired transformation. Quinn, get cheesecake. All right, go ahead. Awesome. All right, Jesus first in life brings about desired transformation. Cheesecake, Ryan. Jesus first in life brings about desired life transformation. Go ahead, get some cheesecake. Okay, who else? Who else has got it? Go ahead, Jessica. Jesus first. Jesus first in life brings about desired transformation. Awesome. Awesome. Jesus first in life brings about desired transformation. Who else has got it? Okay, go ahead. Living sacrifice. Jesus first brings about 
brings about desired life transformation. All right, who else got it? Anybody? Go ahead, sir. Awesome. More cheesecake. Who else has got it? Okay. Jeremy. Awesome. Cheesecake. Okay. Um, did anybody else get it? Does anybody else have it? Come on up and get cheesecake. Come on up and get cheesecake. You guys got it. All right. Hey, if you're from Wesleyan, anybody from Wesleyan? Get some cheesecake, Wesleyan. If you're from cheesecake, Wesley, come get cheesecake. cheesecake. That's right. Hey, if you've got a big fat tattoo of the flag of America on your body, cheesecake is for you. Cheesecake is for you. That's right. Hey, anybody doing the Bible reading plan, even if you're behind, you're like, I'm committed to the Bible reading plan with Cornerstone. Come get cheesecake. Okay, anybody, anybody get straight A's last semester? Straight A's? Come get some cheesecake. You got straight A's. Look at you overachievers. Unbelievable. Oh, man, look at all that cheesecake coming. Okay, we're just keep lining them up. This is an exciting day. It's an exciting day. Okay, hey, if you're a Patriots fan, your team won the Super Bowl. Come get half a slice of cheesecake. Yes, half a slice. Share a piece of cheesecake. All right. transition from that <laughs> it's that's really that's really tough um cheesecake sunday everyone you guys enjoying it enjoying your cheesecake 
All right, another, another cheesecake Sunday has come and gone, and you know, nothing cures my heart from a Patriots victory, you know, than serving cheesecake the Sunday after the Super Bowl, right? Okay, feeling a lot better about that victory that they had. How many rings is it now? Six. Yep, all right, so let's, yep, he's the greatest of all time, we heard it. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, did you guys get your forks from the Buffalo Bills cups? Awesome, thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> All right, so hey, let's pause, and uh, so you guys are savoring um, your cheesecake. Let's go ahead and just ask the Lord to be with us here as we kind of savor his word and invite him into this space. And so, Lord, yes, thank you so much, God. I, I just think this is so much fun. <laughs> this is so much fun for me. If nobody else is enjoying it, I'm enjoying it. And God, I think you enjoy me enjoying it. And uh, Lord, we just ask that your presence would be here. God, you desire to speak to each one of us. You are real, you are personal. Lord, we just bow our hearts before you. God, thank you that, that, that you want to speak a word over us, a word of salvation, a word of redemption, a word of joy, a word of love, because of the love that you have for us is Jesus Christ, never-ending love. So, Lord, would you draw us to you? Speak, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so, it was brought to me uh, last week, brought to my attention last week, that the word that I have for us, you guys remember that word? Remember the word that we're talking about this, this year, right, this month? This word, becoming, that this word of great, great potential in our lives, Right, you remember it? Well, apparently it's also the name of Michelle Obama's book. Okay? Yeah, had no idea. <laughs> so so I was like, oh my gosh, I, I don't this is really, really confusing. You know, what do you what do you do? Becoming it's like, whoo, so I wasn't sure what to do with this kind of cultural collision that just happened. So I sent a letter to her publisher explaining we are, you know, we're pretty much a we're, we're a pretty big deal around here. We do Cheesecake Sunday. And uh, I explained the whole situation and got a response. So in case any of you are confused, um, this is the new book that she's coming out with. Yeah, Becoming Awesome. So uh, don't, don't worry, right? Don't get confused with Becoming and Becoming Awesome, Michelle's new book. Um, so if you're thinking about, as we talk about Becoming, just, just make sure that you just know the difference between the two, okay? Okay. So that was really, in my mind, this is really hilarious. Welcome to my head, all right? Um, right? So becoming, yeah, it's all right. You know, you bat 330, right? You bat one out of three, you're in the Hall of Fame. So that's, that's right. You just put it in baseball, baseball stats, okay? Um, we can get rid of that because that didn't work. That didn't work. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Um, right? So we talk about becoming. Becoming is this... This just incredible potential that you have in your life. And it starts, it all starts uh, by taking our eyes off of ourself. When our eyes are on ourselves, it's a barrier between us and the Lord. It takes our eyes off ourselves and letting God come and just define us and who we are. Taking your eyes off yourself, which is a barrier to you just seeing that longing of what God has for you. And, and letting God just lavish you with love. It starts with facing, the, the coming into the presence and, 
just seeing God as holy, the weight of glory which comes and pushes down and rearranges you, your life. It humbles you and it cleanses you. And this morning, I want to talk about becoming somebody captured by holiness and now is transformed by God. And th this is what I want. I'm certain that this is what we want. We want life. Like you, you want to change. You, you want to grow. You want life transformation. In fact, if you are a Christ follower, this is God's plan for you. To continually change you so that you produce the fruit of the spirit that is inside of you. So that you become more and more to just reflect back to God how awesome he is and how great he is and how wonderful he is and what a savior he is. That is the character of Jesus Christ and that is what God is doing in your life if you know him. And here's how it happens. Right? Here's how that transformation happens and it's so simple and yet it's so deeply personal and difficult. It is this, Jesus first in life Jesus first in life brings about desired transformation. Jesus first in life brings about desired transformation. Romans 12:1, you guys know it, right? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present yourself, right? Your bodies, your whole being, present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Right? Jesus first in life brings about desired transformation. Jesus first in life does that. And therefore, Paul writes, he writes, he says, therefore, right? Th th therefore, do these things. Well, if you want to understand his argument, he begins with this statement, of, is it saying, I appeal to you, therefore, well, you have to go back and ask, as all people who understand the Bible or arguments, you got to ask yourself, what is the therefore, therefore, right? If you want to understand what he's saying, you got to say, well, okay, therefore, I do this. Well, what is the therefore, therefore? So here's a recap of 11 chapters of Romans, 1 through 11. Okay, here we go. God is perfectly holy. God is perfectly good. He's perfectly just. And when we fall short of his perfect glory, it's called sin. And sin is damnable. Sin is, sin is not doing wrong things. Sin is that the heart of it is failure to love and serve and honor God first. And when we don't do that, then we do all these things that show that God is not first place in our lives. And he demands that we do everything that he expects. So God, in his mercy, he comes down in himself to, to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, which is perfection in the person of Jesus Christ. God atoned for sin on the cross so that the law would be fulfilled in the life of Jesus. And in his death, our disobedience would be justly condemned. And anyone who turns away from self and sin and turns to his Savior who saves us from sin through faith, will be completely justified, completely made right. He, will be, he or she will be completely 100% forgiven, and in God's eyes, you become fully pleasing. And when that happens, it says that God has adopted you 
He's made you his child, right? Think about this. Joel, are you my child? Is there anything that you can do that would make you my kid? Okay, great. If you were my kid, is there anything that you could do that would never make you my kid? No, when God gives you the spirit of adoption, he calls you his own. You are his. And, 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 and you are then being made whole. Oh, once God has you, you are, you are brought from the, the world into, into, into life. You go from death to life, from darkness to life. And God, he, 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 you, you become his. There's, free, there's freedom. Listen, can, think about it for a second. Can you improve on 100% forgiven? Does it get better than that? Does it get be any better than in Christ you are fully pleasing to him? Does it get better than that? Say it. No. No matter what you've done or what you will do, fully pleasing, it never gets better than that. Then the only logic, so this is wrong. Therefore, the only logical response, what do you do? How then do you live? It says, therefore, because of Jesus in your life, Jesus is first. He's got to be first. And now I've lived a lot of moments in my life with Jesus second. I've had conflict where Jesus is second. I've wrestled with anger, kind of one of my core sins in life. Jesus is second. I've had a lot of pride. Jesus is second. Anxiety about the future. Jesus is second. And here's what I learned again and again, over and over. My life is more satisfying, more hopeful when Jesus is first. I didn't say that circumstances are better. I didn't say that God's just like this pill that you take and everything goes away. Or if you, you, know, if you insert, if I make Jesus first, I put my dollar in, I then G6 and out comes blessings. I didn't say that. I didn't say the problems go away or that life is easy. But listen, when Jesus is first in my life, God brings about desired life transformation in my life. Jesus first. Paul, Paul pictures you and me as what? A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Right? Jesus first implies it, it mean it the sum of it is that you just you know you are all in. When God goes, we'll practice. We didn't practice this, so we'll see if it works out. When God goes, Kurt, I'll do it. Right? Well, okay, we'll do that again. Now we just practice. Kurt. Yeah, Jesus first. Right? Last week I said, God I haven't even told him what he's going to do. <laughs> right? What he's about to do in your life. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Send me. It's not half-hearted. It, it isn't kind of, you know, just, God, I got other things. Let me do this thing first. First I need to do this. Jesus said, follow me. And people said, well, first let me go bury my father or First, let me do this. And first, and Jesus, no, follow me. First, I need to, first, God, listen, I, I need to find a mate. I need to find a girl or a guy. Now, that's first in my life. First, first, let me get a job. And then, boy, if you bless me with a job, then you'll be first. First, let me make some money. First, let me have some kids. And then, then, then I'll come and I'll turn to you. you when, it's, when it's first me, God. 
When it's God, no, it's me first, my life, my dreams, then, then God, I'll think about you. You see, Jesus, second, looks at that altar, living sacrifice, looks at the altar and doesn't trust God for the future. When Jesus is second, it doesn't, you don't believe that God is good. When Jesus is second, you don't think that he's going to do good to you. Jesus second, if you know him, Jesus second in your life is very slow or no transformation. Jesus second, if, if you know him, very slow or no life transformation. Friends, we're talking about transformation, but what does that even mean? Well, why do you, why would you even desire it? Like, like how, is it like P90X, right? Right, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go on a keto diet, right? I'm going to be transformed. And we're talking about authentic life change. We're talking about real life change. We're talking about spiritual, emotional, relational health. You know, it is God's desire. And if you're, you're new here and you're kind of, kind of hearing this, on the website is, uh, we, we did four weeks talking about the biblical vision of heaven. It is full and complete restoration of your bodies and who you are. I mean, could you imagine if you had not one single temptation or thought of a temptation in your life? That everything you did was, was, was pure and good? That is the destination God is bringing you in. This picture's life transformation. It's wholeness. It's healing. It's rest for your soul. For most of us, we say, we, I want that. Like, give me that. We want that. We want assurance that in the midst, listen, we want assurance in the midst of our great difficult circumstances that there is a redemption story that God is playing out in my life, that he's doing it, redeeming me, making me more like him. Jesus first brings about. When Jesus is first in your life, God does. He works to bring about your desired life transformation. And Paul calls you and me. He calls us. He, he looks at us. And Paul says, therefore, right, be a living sacrifice. It's, it's my whole, like, I don't know, pretend there's an altar here, right? It's like my whole life on this altar. All in. Jesus first, living sacrifice. Offer yourselves, all of you. I mean, how, who are you apart from this? All of you. A living sacrifice because Jesus gave himself to you. You, therefore, must give. This is the only rational thing. You must give all of you to him. What an interesting picture, isn't it? What, what an interesting, think about it. For centuries, millennia, before Jesus came, it was one dead animal after another, after another, after another, on the altar of God, just completely sacrificed. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You were made to live forever. Sin brings death. Therefore, someone or something needs to die. What a picture of who Jesus would be 
if you're in the Old Testament times. What a picture of what Jesus is going to become, you know, out in the future. I was reading with my son Luke, Second Chronicles 5, and this is, this is a, the, the part where David has died and Solomon has now built this temple, and, 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 and when Solomon dedicates this temple, this is what it says. And for you who are maybe not super Bible geeky like me, I'm going to try to explain it to you um, as best I can so that you go, all right, so if you don't do that, just let me, I'll try it again. Um, there were, when he dedicated the temple, there were so many sheep and oxen sacrificed on that altar, so many they couldn't be counted. Think about it. The Israelites, dang, they counted everything. They have a whole book called Numbers. <laughs> These are people who counted everything. There's so many guts ripped open and blood just kind of pouring out on this altar. So again, just again, I don't know how many hours and hours you can, can you smell it? The stench of death and just, I don't know, but it was a ridiculous amount of blood. (laughs) But in Jesus, the death of John the baptizer, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. He's the sacrifice. His blood removes sin for good. He died on the cross, on the altar, so to speak, so that you can truly what? He died so that you can what? Yes. You see, in in Christ, all the dead victims... All of them are completely swept off the altar of God to make room for the redeemed of God. To to live as a living sacrifice. Those who have turned from sin to a savior in their lives. In my life, your life is now one to be a living sacrifice on that altar of God. where, Where we reflect on what God has done for us and we hold nothing back. Leap onto the altar of God. Just pick, I mean, this is what, I I just think when you, therefore, just leap onto that altar. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul writes this, For our sake, me, you, he made him, Jesus, to be sin. Who, Jesus, knew no sin. Why? So that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. And Paul pictures now this willing offering of yourself, Jesus first in your life on the altar where where so much blood in the past was shed. Now it's a place where you truly come to live. And God gave you Jesus so that you would know him and be reconnected to him in relationship with the one who made you and knows you the best and loves you the most. Do Do you get this? I mean, this is eternal life. God took your sin, punished it in Jesus, and he gave you all the goodness that Jesus did, his perfect obedience to the law. It, it's yours. Therefore, if you can't while living, if you cannot while living in your body, cheerfully, gratefully, jump on that altar then you need to ask yourself 
have I really turned from my self-righteousness? Have I really turned trying to please God in myself? Have I really by faith repented of my sin, made a change of mind, a change of direction, said, I, I can't no longer live the old way. I need to be dead to sin. If you can't turn, if you haven't, if you can't, if you look at the altar and you're just not there, you just have to wonder, God, is it me first in my life? Because if you're staring at that altar, listen, and, and, and if there hasn't been that moment in, in your life where you've humbled yourself and you've trusted Jesus and his death and his resurrection, bring, God, Jesus is a, a man in the flesh. He is somewhere in the flesh right now. If there has not been a moment where you've humbled yourself and you've trusted the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then I urge you, while there is still time, while you are still in your life, while you're still walking down this road, while you're trying to figure out what your life is all about, I urge you, come to Christ. Bring your whole self to him. And, and, and if, you, if you have, then picture in your mind right now, this is what God wants from you. Living sacrifice. Just <laughs> leaping on the altar. Paul said it this way in Philippians 1.21. For me, to live is Christ. To Jesus first. If I die, it's going to be better. If I'm going to live, I'm going to live for Jesus. If I die, I'm going to be with him. Jesus first, living for him, bringing our whole selves, all of our dreams, all of our desires, all of our personality. It's, it's leaping onto the altar. It's, it's saying, here I am, God, I'm, I'm living for you. And then Paul, listen, this is what he does. He says, listen, Jesus first, he, then he gets specific. He says, you are cheerfully all in. Good for you. You're cheerfully all in. You're there. That's the first part of you know, transformation today, tomorrow. You just leap on that altar. Life transformation happens when you are a living sacrifice. It looks like this. You want to keep growing? He goes to the second verse. He says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed there's no transformation unless Jesus is first, but you be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed through renewing your mind. Oh, he takes it another step further. So here's what you need to know, kind of getting more specific. My thinking determines the direction and quality of my life. What you think today will determine the direction and the quality of your life. Jesus brings, Jesus first, brings about desired life transformation. Second, ongoing transformation, it comes down to this. My thinking determines the quality and the direction of my life. And you need to know where it starts. It starts up here. Paul begins with this. Reason, thinking, it's what you think about. It's what you believe. It is what goes on up here is, is that first part of transformation. A wise friend once told me this. I don't know who said it first, but I'm just passing on to you what was shared with me. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. 
Where does it begin? Where, where do destinies begin? Sowing thoughts. See, because why, why is that important? Because God is not, listen, God is not merely interested in the things that you do. He doesn't want to transform your behaviors. That's easy. Anybody can do that. Anybody can just stop doing some things and start doing some other things. But if it's just behavior that you think God is after and that's what you're doing, it's all a show. That's, that's all it is. And it's all for you. This is all for you. Instead, he wants to bring renewal, your whole body, on the altar through the transformation of your mind, through changing your mind. He wants to bring all of your life in order with him. And this is life transformation. My thinking determines the direction and quality of my life. Real transformation doesn't come from mere imitation. It comes from a renewed mind. Listen, real transformation, it doesn't come from mere imitation. But I know something you do too, right? Society, the world, it tells you, do what your heart says, doesn't it? Do what your heart says. That's really the exact opposite of what Jesus says. Here's an action step for you, right? You need to make up your mind. Which is it for you? Do you do what your heart says or do you renew your mind? You see, Jesus first brings about desired life transformation, a living sacrifice. There you are leaping onto the altar of God, offering your whole, your whole self wholeheartedly to him. Here I am. Now are you going to believe the things of the world? Are you going to engage in a walk with Jesus and keep in step with him producing the fruit of the spirit and use reason and believe the things that God has for you? Are you going to let them go? And here's what's at stake. Here's what happens. Here's what I've experienced working with, with young people. Here's what's at stake for you. You stand, each one of you, you stand at the threshold, at the doorway of obedience in your life. Right, you're standing right there at the threshold of the at, of the altar. You're looking at it, and you. This is what happens. You pick your heart. I mean, come on, man. Is that so wrong, man? Just I just want to do what I feel is right. If I if I were to do what my heart says, holy cannoli. My heart can be really, really mean and selfish, careless. Many years before Paul said, be renewed by the transformation, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the prophet Jeremiah, he says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. Here's the things, little deceit. Above all is the heart desperately sick who can understand it and you know it if, if you're a do what your heart says you're standing at that altar and you're like i just want to do what i feel man you know your heart is fickle how many times as a little kid you're like i can't i want that christmas present and then it comes you're like ah, who cares your heart wants one thing today and it wants another thing tomorrow. I thought this thing, I thought this relationship, I thought this way of life, I thought this decision, I thought these things, I thought this phone, I thought, I mean, just 
I, I thought it would make me happy, and it, and it hasn't, so I'm on to the next thing. The heart is not about faithfulness. It's not about commitment. When things are tough, the heart isn't into that. The heart puts Jesus second. I've watched dozens and dozens of lives just wander away from the hard work of transformation and settle. They just, they just, this is too hard. And I've watched many a train wrecks of transformation. Many. But don't get me wrong. Some of these men and women, by the world's standards, you kind of looking on the outside, looking in, they're super successful people. They're really good parents. They've got great jobs. It's not like if you don't do this, you're going to be some criminal, like locked up, you know, behind bars. Um, that, that's not what I'm talking about. But, but we, we think like, oh boy, that's what happens to people when, when Jesus is second. It isn't. But that's the insidiousness of Jesus second. It looks fine. It looks okay. But it's faithlessness. And when the time comes, listen, your life is so short, when the blip is over, here's the real perspective. G Jesus is going to ask you, he's going to look you in the eyes, and he says, was I first? And some of you, you will have to say, I've, wa I've wasted it on things that don't matter. Don't do what your heart says. Do what Jesus says. Renew your mind. That's what he says. So you look at the word of God, it says, renew your mind, be transformed, train your mind. Jesus first, listen, when you meet Christ, not one of you who has leaped on the altar of God and done it day after day, year after year, engaging with Jesus and his word and in community, not one of you will say, if you've done that, when you meet the Lord face to face, not one of you will go, Jesus, I, just, I gave you too much. I've wasted my life for you. I could have had all these other things. No, I pray that when you meet Jesus, you're going to say, I could have given more. Lord, Lord I, 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 I wish I gave more. So when you put Jesus first, it brings about the desired life transformation that you have. And this is the awesome part, right? Because as you walk with Jesus and your life progresses, you will gradually notice, you will gradually, note, gradually notice that your thought life is being changed from Christlessness to Christlikeness. Attitudes, character, thoughts, behaviors, habits, love, real sacrificing, self-sacrificing love. This is what God's will is for you. You desire it. This is God is walking with you. But this kind of transformation does not happen overnight. It will not in your life happen by accident. It happens when you look at Jesus and you put him first. You jump on that altar and you begin the task of renewing your mind. Listen, regeneration is instantaneous. Re regeneration is a term when spiritually dead people become spiritually alive people. It, it is instantaneous. The moment the instant faith in Christ is real and present, immediately there's this transaction where your sin is taken to tone for in Jesus, and Jesus, who lived a perfect life, gives you that perfect life so that God sees you not as neutral but as positive. You have the 
person of Jesus inside of you. And the moment that happens, your spirit is reborn. And that's called regeneration. It's new life. It's, it's a spiritual birth. It's the work of the Holy Spirit who comes and breaks the power and dominion of sin in your life. And now God takes up residence. The temp, old temple's destroyed. Your body's the temple. And he comes, takes up residence in your life. And he gives you, now it's a gift. He gives you proper attitudes. He gives you desires. He gives you thoughts. You begin caring about things that you didn't care about before cravings and longings you want to be with him you desire to be redeemed and have these messy broken places become restored and and that could never be you can't do that without christ present in you and that moment of repentance and faith is both legal and relational regeneration it's legal because god is a judge now judges your sin taken away in Christ. He was proclaimed guilty, although he's the sinless one, so that, so that your sin would be punished in Christ. That is forgiveness. It is, a, it is a verbal decree saying you are not guilty. And it's relational because the thing that you get when your spirit is reborn is, is, is the thing that you get is God himself. It's a person. It's the living Christ that comes inside of you. See, regeneration is instantaneous. Transformation, what we're talking about, is not. It was only the regenerated can now freely and cheerfully do the will of God. Whereas before, there was nothing you could do to please God in the flesh. Your own goodness was just filthy. It was his own self-righteousness that said, Jesus, man, he's a good guy, but I don't need him. I'm doing life my own way. You in the flesh, you and me in the flesh is spiritually dead. You don't want God. You can't choose him. You won't choose him. You think that you're living a life for him, but it's all self-deceit. But now, when you turn to him in the spirit, regenerated now, it's totally different. You can obey him. You can do it. You want to. Oh, God gives you the desires to obey him. You want to please him. And you can by living Jesus first. If you are sitting here and something's clicking in a way that it has never clicked before in you, and you're saying, and you hear me talking about regeneration, and you're looking at that altar, and you're looking at Christ's death on the cross, and you go, that's not me. I haven't jumped on the altar. Listen, listen, look, look at me. Look at me, that's you. God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. Don't dismiss it. Don't harden your heart. Come talk to me, man. This could be a moment of new birth for you. Okay? There is no transformation without regeneration. Right? No transformation without regeneration. There's no transformation in your life without regeneration. But when it begins, when it begins in your life, new life in Christ, transformation happens gradually. As looking at that altar, putting Jesus first, beginning renewing your mind, God gives you the desire for transformation. If you are a Jesus first Christ follower, you are being transformed into his likeness. 
he's making you into the image of his son. The more time you spend with him, the intimate fellowship that you have with him, when you live under the authority of God's word, and eventually over time, over years, through circumstances, you will begin to be like the Jesus that you love. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, and we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And you see, this transformation through the renewing of your mind, it comes from communion with the Lord. It is not a process that happens overnight, but unless Jesus is first, and unless you spend time with him learning and loving the word of God and the community of God, and learning the, the, to replace the things that are lies up here with the truth up here, and, and, and putting all those pieces together, if you don't do that, you will stall what has begun in you. And next week, we're going to pick up from right here. And we're going to talk about where do you go? Where do you go after you leap on the altar of God, after you put Jesus first? How, how, how does, what does it look like for you personally to walk in obedience to Jesus? What does that look like? Because that is part of this becoming, part of this awesome future potential that God has for you in Christ. Jesus first in life brings about desired transformation what I think about, what goes on in here, my thinking will determine the direction and quality of my life. Will you guys stand with me as I close in prayer? now turn and we, we just we just face you we see that altar where there's an, I, there I don't have to die Jesus was a perfectly good sacrifice for a sinner like me that by through faith in him you adopt me you you make me an heir you give me yourself you pull up a chair and you begin a relationship with me that is incredible Lord, and we just come in in our, in our minds and our hearts. We bow before you. God, we lift up our voices in song, praising you, declaring you to be the one who, who sets captives free. And Lord, my unending prayer is that all who are standing here with me, the, the, the vision of, of, of a restored society living in the new heavens and the new earth, all of the cultures and all the languages and all the beauty of what it means to be human. Lord, I don't want them to miss it. God, would they be present when you come in the fullness of your